hope. Good morning. It's a, a thrill to be here. I um, have known Doug a few years and Heidi a whole bunch more than that. And so I'm excited to be here this morning. And as Doug said, uh, you know, we just really want to be sharing stories about the rest of your family. You have family uh, in every nation around the world and just share a little bit of what God is doing, but also a little bit of what we can be praying for. You know, I was, uh, even as I prayed and thought about this morning, I came back to that verse, and I know you've looked at it in different ways, but the verse that reminds us that we are called to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep or mourn with those that mourn. And around the world, we get to rejoice with what God's doing because great things are happening around the world, and I'm excited to tell you about that. And we also get to mourn or we get to pray. I think we're not necessarily called just to mourn, but I think there's issues that we need to be praying about, and we need to join our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world to be praying as well. So I wanted just to share some stories. It's not going to be a, um, a, heap, a deep uh, sermon today. I just want to inspire us with stories of what God is doing and share a little bit of that. Now, to answer the pertinent question that I'm always asked, uh, where is the accent from? Have you locked in your votes yet? You have? You've all decided where the accent might be from? Okay, eliminate England. If you chose England, you were wrong. <laughs> okay, now you've got a few more countries to choose from. It wasn't Texas either, in case you're wondering. <laughs> wow, this is an incredible congregation. It is New Zealand. Well done. For all those that voted New Zealand, you got it. Uh, that is pretty rare. I uh, very rarely find people who, find, who get the right country, including in New Zealand. They come up to me and ask me where I'm from, so <laughs> you guys are better than them. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, as Doug mentioned, uh, I've actually spent the last 22 years living in Vietnam uh, with my husband. We got married 17 years ago, and uh, so my last 22 years of my life have been spent in Vietnam. And Vietnam is a communist country. It's not the easiest place to be a Christian. When you hear all those stories of persecution, some of them come from Vietnam. That's uh, our reality. And, uh, you know, I want to just share of what God is doing in Vietnam because as much as that's our reality and as much as that has been uh, a challenge, God is also doing some really cool, amazing stuff. And so as part of the organization I work for, Reconciled World, we actually started a program, and this program is looking at how do we go out and love our neighbor? How do we go out and bless our neighbor? And sometimes this can be challenging, because the way that the government starts the, stops, not starts, stops the growth of the church is they will come along and they will say, this person who is a Christian in your village, they are bringing sickness, they are bringing, um, they're going to cause your crops to fail, they have an evil spirit in them, and they are very dangerous to your community. So what do you think the community does when someone becomes a Christian? Yeah, they don't give them high fives. Good guess. They uh, burn down their houses. They do all sorts of things they can, they can to try and drive these people out of town. So when we say, okay, we want to be loving our neighbor, that's a challenging message. What does it mean to love our neighbor in the context of where our neighbor actively hates us? And so these Christians have been uh, seeking to do that, have been trying to work out how do we love our neighbor well? We want to be people who love our neighbor well. And so uh, they've got all sorts of cool stories of what they're doing and what God has been doing through them. 
I remember one story. The uh, church came together and they had been challenged by this idea that we want to be people who love our neighbor. And so what we challenge them to do is to take time to just pray and ask God, who is it that you want us to love? So they'll meet, they'll pray, and they'll say, God, who should we be loving? And so the person that God put, brought to mind was actually a gang leader. And uh, can you imagine if you grew, got together in your small group and you said, God, who should we love? And he brought to mind the gang leader. How many of you would be excited by that? <laughs> yeah, no, neither were they. They're, your global family similar to yourself. It's not that different. <laughs> and so they... Uh, they were kind of concerned about the situation, and so they prayed, and they tried to work out what to do, and they wanted to be obedient to God, but it didn't seem like a very good idea. And so finally, the gang leader actually went out of town. And while he was out of town, uh, they went in, and they helped to get all his fields uh, uh, harvested. So they got everything harvested, they got everything into bags, and then they dashed home. They helped out his wife, who he had left to do all the work by herself. And so the gang leader came home, and he looked around and he said, what's happened there? Who helped you? I know someone helped you. You didn't get all that done by yourself. And uh, she was a bit scared. Uh, he, this gang leader, had a reputation of just being wildly violent. He would just attack people with very little notice. So she was terrified what would happen when they, he found out it was the church. But finally, uh, she announced it was the church. And so that gang leader goes pounding down the road. And he gets to the pastor's house. And he knocks on the door, and the pastor calls the deacons. I'm always trying to imagine how to, the guy's standing at the door and the pastor's calling the deacons. But fortunately, these are tiny communities, and so the deacons come, because these are pretty cool deacons. Can you imagine, are you a deacon in this church? If Doug called you to say, there's someone about to attack me at the door, please come, would you be in your car immediately, or would you find 911? <laughs> Don't worry, Doug, you've got people who've got your back. <laughs> so at any rate, these deacons turn up, and they open the door. And this guy who is wildly violent comes in, and he starts to weep. And he says, never, ever in my life has anyone ever shown me love. I've never known love in my whole life. I want to follow the God that would cause someone to love this much. Well, he became a Christian that evening. The next day, he goes out and he becomes the evangelist to end all evangelists. Within just a few weeks, 27 families had come to Christ. He went around all of his gang buddies and he said, I've found the answer. I've found love. Love is found in the church. Is that the reputation we have? Around the world, we hear story after story after story. Love is found in the church. Hope is found in the church. Your name is hope, but I mean, hope is also found in the church. One of the uh, bigger challenges around the world is for women who find themselves as widows. Uh, the reality is, uh, in most societies, you don't have the opportunity to work, you don't have the opportunity to do anything. If you're going to look after your children, you're going to need to sell yourself. And so the reality is, in many nations, you will hear stories about the uh, uh, widows who are suicidal. But as churches have come to be challenged, we need to love those in our communities. And they start to set up systems. As they start to realize these women are made in the image of God. Instead of turning their backs on them, uh, after they have chosen to sell themselves, they start to embrace them. And they start to say, how can we love and how can we look after these women? And time and time again, we've had testimonies of how uh, these women have gone from being suicidal 
to knowing the love that's in the church, the hope that can be found in the church. But there's other stories. Uh, one of the things that we do as part of our program is we challenge them to uh, draw a map of what would you like your community to look like if you're community could look like anything. What do you think God's desires are for your community? And so they get together and they start to draw a map. And they put all sorts of things in their map. Uh, for some of them, they, their dream is to have a tractor to uh, uh, plow the land. So I know in one area they said they put in a, a picture of a tractor. That was their dream. They were going to have a tractor. And they met as the church and they prayed and they said, God, what can we do? And God told them, uh, I always hear these stories in the middle. You get to hear the end. I get the middle. Anyway, God told them, if you open the walk, walking path, because at the moment you can't get the tractor to the field because you have to walk to the field. So if you open the walking path, I will give you a tractor. So they come and report this to me. God has told us if we open the walking path, he'll give us a tractor. And I'm always like, oh, <laughs> can't wait to see how this one pans out. So anyway opening the walking path. So they got together, they opened the walking path, they built a road to their crop area. And as a result, they were able to grow a lot more that year because usually they have to carry their crops on their back. And so you can only carry maybe uh, about, oh, who knows how many pounds, 70 pounds, 80 pounds a day uh, if you're carrying it on your back. But if you are able to use a cart at the back of a motorbike or something, you can obviously carry tons per day. So as a result, they were able to grow so much more, but they were able to transport so much more uh, back to their homes. And so people in the village were so grateful that they had been able to grow more, they brought the extra money to the church, and they said, we want to bless the church, and we say thank you to the church for all that you've done for our community. And so the church had this big pile of money, and they stopped and they prayed and they said to God, what can we do with this money? What is it that you've given us this money for? And God reminded them. I've promised you a tractor. If you widen the road, then you'll get the tractor. And time and time again, we see people, they sit with their maps and they pray and they ask God, what is it that we can be doing next for our community? What is it that we can be doing? And God gives them those steps, step by step by step by step. And sometimes he turns up and multiplies their efforts. In Burkina Faso, they decided to also make a road. And it was a pretty rickety road. You can imagine if you're an exceedingly poor church around the world and you go out and make a road with your picks and hoes and stones that you find, then you end up with a, a reasonable road, but not anything flash. And so they had finished their road and, uh, and they were happy. They had a good road. But they, uh, one day a government minister drove uh, down their road and he was like, what in the world? There's a new road here. This is quite a good road. And so he started to ask around. He said, where did this road come from? Who built a road in the middle of here? And so finally uh, he found out it was the church. And he heard the church has been doing a lot. They've cleaned our health clinic. It was the first time the health clinic had ever been cleaned. Can you imagine going to that health clinic? Anyway, good news, it's now cleaned. So <laughs> anyway, it was, they cleaned the health clinic. They cleaned the school. They had done all sorts of things to serve their community. And so this government minister heard all about this. Well, uh, what you need to understand, he, he was so amazed by what he heard that he actually gave the church $50,000 in order to concrete this road, which in Burkina Faso is enough to concrete a road. But what's remarkable about this is this was a, in a village that supported the opposition party. Uh, in Africa, you, 
villages belong to a particular party, and uh, even more so than they do here. But anyway, villages belong <laughs> to a particular party, and there's no way that the government would help someone from the opposition party. You've got to help your boys. And so for the government to give $50,000 to this church, the church really felt like this was an act of God. This was God recognizing what we were doing and blessing us as we tried to do more. And so we see stories upon stories upon stories of what God's doing. Stories upon stories of churches that meet together and they pray and they ask God, what can we do next? How can we love our community? What needs are there in our community? And how can we love well? And I think that's a challenge to you as well. How do you love well in your community? But as much as we rejoice with those that rejoice, we also need to mourn with those that mourn. And we need to know that there are tricky things happening around the world. One of the things that God's been breaking my heart with a lot over the last year is the situation of women around the world. And I've always kind of been like, yeah, women have it tough, but the, the more I've dug in, the worse it seems. I remember in India, we're starting a program to address the problem of domestic violence. And so they had 20 doctors, Christian doctors. Now, doctors are obviously educated, they're knowledgeable, they're, I mean, these are doctors. And they asked them, how many of you have ever uh, shown violence to your wife? 18 of them raised their hands. There's no shame. 18 raised their hand. Then they asked, how many of you think it would be appropriate to show violence if your wife did something that brought you shame? 20 out of 20 raised their hands. Violence against women is tremendous around the world. In Vietnam, where I'm from, two-thirds of women face violence from their uh, spouse. India is the same, two-thirds of women. But then you get to somewhere like Uganda, and in parts of Uganda, it's actually a status to have your husband hit you. You want to turn up at the ladies' Bible study with a black eye. Can you imagine? Because it shows your husband actually cares about you. He hasn't just gone off with the woman next door. He actually is still engaged in your life. So the woman will do what they can to provoke their husbands so that they can turn up to Bible study with a black eye. How broken is our world? And so we need God's truth into those situations. And one of the things we're doing as a program is we're starting to teach about what marriage and family should look like. In Uganda, we taught about marriage and family, and we, uh, we teach master trainers, those go on and teach it in the communities. And so they were sharing the stories. I had been to the training, I left the training traumatized after hearing the stories of what was happening in Uganda, and then even watching the reactions of the people. They really struggled to understand that women weren't stupid. In fact, they had one role play, and they were uh, talking about forgiveness. And the woman brought in a cup of tea, and uh, she, the husband drank it, and it was too hot. And he yelled at her, you stupid, stupid woman. The tea is too hot. And just very violently, I was surprised that they took the role play that far. At any rate, <laughs> uh, then uh, she came back, and she said, oh, I'm sorry about that. So I said, okay, well, now's the time to apologize. I was thinking the husband was going to apologize for absolutely berating his wife. And they were like, no, she did apologize already. She apologized for bringing the tea, with the tea too hot. And nobody in that room could understand that maybe he hadn't spoken well of his wife. It was a mystery to them. The more I challenged them, do you think this is okay that he 
called his wife stupid. Even the women were like, well, she was. She brought hot tea. These are beliefs that are real, and they have implications around the world. And we need truth. We need God's truth. And we need to be praying for truth to reign around the world. But like I was saying, so we taught into that environment. I left traumatized. I uh, got counseling. I'm okay now. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I came back six months later, and we hear the stories. How did the training go? And so one uh, woman shared uh, that in their training, uh, a woman had turned up, and she was a woman who faced a lot of violence. Her husband was an alcoholic, just a really terrible situation. He kept all the money. She had nothing. And so uh, she uh, came to the training. And they said, no, no, this is for husbands and wives. You need to bring your husband. So she went home, and she finally convinced her husband to come on the basis that it was going to be free food. So he uh, was convinced. He came along to get the free food. And so he turns up. By the end of this training, he's a new man. He went home, and he said, I've actually hidden all the money, but I know where it is. And he got out all the money, and he bought the family a cow, which is a big deal. Doesn't sound so big to us. You don't want a cow. But that's a really big deal. He got them, a, he, they started rebuilding the house. And she tells the story. She says, No, he hasn't hit me ever since. He hasn't drunk ever since that training. God is doing good things. But these are, um, these are lies of Satan throughout the nations. Lies like women have no value. Lies like it's hopeless. We can't do anything. Lies uh, around the nations. And we need your prayers. Because we can go out with all our cute training and some of that works, but it's God that works. And we need God to turn up in these situations. Because it's God that changes these lies that have held uh, communities in bondage for generations. And so we also want you to be inviting you to be praying with us uh, and to join us in that. So we want you to rejoice. God is doing amazing things around the world. And we want you to join us in mourning and in prayer because there's, there's much that we need to be praying for as well. But I think uh, Doug and Nana are going to join me. Maybe. Or I'll just stand here. I don't know. You're doing great. We just keep listening. That's good. <laughs> this is Nam, by the way. <laughs> I'm tempted to tell stories about you guys, but maybe I'll wait till you're not here because then you'll elbow me really hard. These guys do have incredible stories they're involved in, but they're incredibly humble people. Um, so I have a few questions. Um, so you guys are seeing through acts of love, um, you're seeing entire communities changed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, some of you might remember a couple months ago, I told the story about the 35 houses that got built in Vietnam. If you heard the podcast, it had to be edited out. So you had to be here for that one. But um, part of it got edited. Uh, this, that was a story that came from, from the ministry that these guys lead. So if you could um, encourage churches here, how do you think that maybe us doing some of the same things, acts of love here uh, in the U.S., what, what might that do? Or how would you encourage us to pursue that kind of um, approach? Um, good morning. Uh, so to answer your question, I think the, the context and the setting of Vietnam and other uh, area that we work with, uh, uh, we work with poor communities. So the setting are very different. There's a lot of physical need and, uh, and all that, uh, roads, uh, wells, and, you know, houses and all that. 
But here you don't have the same problem that um, other communities are facing. But there are others uh, need that people are facing. Um, we, uh, in our training, we talk about uh, growing holistically, uh, growing physically, physi uh, spiritually, socially, and mentally. And um, as I travel uh, in the U.S. and see um, the society here, I think there's a lot of uh, social social need and um, that need to be met. Um, a lot of homeless people, people standing on this on the street um, with the sign. Um, and so my question is, how, how can you help those people so that they gain their dignities? You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't think those people stand on the street that proud of what they do. I don't think that if they have a, a choice of uh, doing something to gain back their dignity, I'm sure that they, they will take it. I think there's a, a matter of approach. How can we help them and see the the, the values of having the dignities and uh, give them an opportunity to, to work? Um, and another thing I think um, is uh, uh, refugees. Uh, yeah, refugees. Refugees. Yeah. You know, it's great. I think this is one of the biggest uh, refugees uh, the, uh, settlement in the U.S. I don't. Uh, yeah. And so I think reaching out to those people who, um, I mean, they, they have to flee their country, they have potential, they have, many of them are doctors and engineers and in their country, but here they are paralyzed because of the culture's difference, because of the, there's so many th new things. So uh, those kind of, those people need uh, help. They, those people need um, us to help them to integrate into the life in the, uh, the U.S. so that they can contribute to the nation and also uh, building the kingdom of God. But I think uh, also we were, just two weeks ago, we were in Colorado. And so we were visiting friends and they were saying, oh, we're trying to practice your program, which was a little surprising to me. But it turned out that what they were doing was they had decided to... Uh, to use their church ground better. They decided we really want to use our church ground to serve the community. And our community doesn't have a playground, so what we want to do is have a playground. And so it wasn't a wealthy church. So they, it was mostly farmers, so they got together and they bulldozed an area for the playground. But they still had no playground, so they came to the pastor and they were like, okay, well, what are we going to do to get the playground? And he said, well, we're going to do like we do in Vietnam. We're going to come together and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God for a playground. And so they all thought he was a little bit crazy. You can imagine if Doug told you that, you'd be like, excellent, can't wait. But you know, in less than a week, God gave them the best playground, not only in their county, but in all the surrounding counties. Because God is the same God in Vietnam, in the US, and around the world. You didn't see all this land we have sitting around back here at Dirt, did you? Not yet. No, you haven't seen all that's funny. Okay, so you didn't see that. Oh, wow, okay. Um, I, was, I just got caught up in that story and I let my phone shut down. All right, I have another question. What do you got here for time? Um, so how have, uh, let's skip that one. 
Okay, a, a natural question I think a lot of us might ask, and you, we did, we do have a table for you guys out there, right? So if people want to meet you and, and chat, um, they can do that out there. Are there some practical ways that you would encourage us to be involved or support what you guys are doing through Reconcile World? Uh, well, we do have prayer packs out in the um, foyer. My English is going. Never mind. Uh, so we do have prayer packs in the foyer. We would love you if you are interested in praying. Uh, like I said, prayer is essential. Uh, another thing is we really love it when people are taking time to learn more about what's happening around the world so we can rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. And so just uh, if you go to our website, you can sign up to everything from a Facebook page to a uh, to reading the blog, or just taking time. Take time to learn what God is doing around the world. Take time to be inspired, and take time to be challenged. And uh, I think beyond that, I would say, you know, we're always looking for financial partners, and if that's something God's drawing you towards, that's a cool thing. And if not, we challenge you to be just doing the same in your own community, that we can take stories of you back around the world, because people love to know what's happening here in the U.S. as well. And let me ask you one more question here, um, and Ryan and the team, why don't you guys head back up this way here. Uh, in a world here where we often see so much sad news or scary news or difficult things going on, uh, and you guys see a lot of that right up close and personal as you are all around the globe, but in a world like that, how is it that you um, continue to hold on to hope that God is on the move, like that his kingdom is advancing instead of being overwhelmed with some of the other things that you, that you see? I think one thing uh, we have to remember is that God is sovereign in everything. Uh, things that uh, happen, um, it's, it's part of it's his, his plan. Um, and I think um, if you trust that God knows what he's doing, then you, you have hope. Uh, you know, um, but um, be involved in different ministry, hear the story. I think the story um, help us to realize that as God, God, is, God is working, God is working around the world, mm -hmm. and that give us hope. Mm -hmm. he's, he's not dead or he's not, uh, he's, he's, he's working, and I think uh, stories um, will, will help us to, uh, to know mm -hmm. that God is on the move. And also share that story to other people so that they also have hope. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's like you say. I think we, we go to so many different countries and we see a lot of brokenness, but we also see cool stories of what God's doing. We see, it's amazing to go to churches and to see so much hope. And one of the very... Uh, I'll try and be real quick. One of the things that we talk about is you, you don't need to wait for an outside organization. You can do it yourselves. And we tell the story about how for generations in Vietnam, people waited for wells. They just waited and waited and waited. But in reality, it takes one day to dig a well. So why did they wait for generations? Because they believed they needed someone else to come and help them. Because Satan has lied to us. He's, there's these beliefs. Yeah. And so they believed they needed to wait for someone else. But as we tell that story around the world, we see hope resonate in the yeah. faces of the people. All of a sudden, it's like, wait, we could dig our own well or our own road or our own. We, we can do it. Yeah. We no longer need to wait. And seeing people's hope, I think, uh, gives me yeah. immense joy. Uh, just a quick story. Oh. Uh, <laughs> a few, few months ago, uh, Anna teaching, training in people in South Sudan. 
okay, and I traveling in Congo. Mm. Okay, so see teaching to the Sudanese, and they said, no, no, it will not work, it will not work. This program will not work. And it's then, the worst nation on earth. Yeah, it's the worst <laughs> nation in the world. Um, and then uh, that night, I talked to Anna, I shared some story, the cool thing that God's doing in Congo. And mm. then um, the next morning, she shared some of those stories in, to the Sudanese. And they said, oh, if it's happen if the Congolese can do it we can do it too this works so uh, the story changed the way the, the story of God what God is doing changed the way that they see about themselves and it's helped them to give hope it's give hope to them so that's so good hey thank you guys so much can you guys give them some love here yeah When we are uh, wrapped up and uh, have the cake reception, uh, at 11 o'clock, there's two things happening. So parents of students uh, meeting in the student room. And then Heidi is going to have Anna and Nam right up here, huh? And we'll just circle up and do Q&A with them. Um, so that'll be closer to 11 o'clock. So a couple of things if you want to hang around. I'm so encouraged by hearing these stories. And, and I used to work with uh, this organization for almost uh, two years. And so there are, I, know, I know how many stories and how amazing and how the work has so much integrity to it and how much it relies on the power of God. Not the power of fundraising, not the power of making it happen ourselves, not the power of, it is crazy cool to see how God moves through things like this. And that's what gives me hope in the context that's brought me here. I mean, part of why I'm here is I was so excited about hearing about and telling stories about what God was doing through his church in other parts of the world. And it really drew my heart back to saying, Lord, I wanna be a part of a church here, right here, that you are working through to love and serve people right here. And, and so I'm grateful to be here at Hope because we are that kind of people. And I appreciate their encouragement uh, and just a huge reminder to me of why it is that we gather each week and pray together and listen for what it is that God is pointing us to as a church. We've moved our uh, weekly prayer to 8.45 before church on Sunday, so any of you are welcome to join us over here in the side classroom uh, as we do that kind of prayer and listening. But the other thing as we move into the closing uh, song here is I love hearing how powerful the name of Jesus is. I love hearing what God is up to all around the world. In difficult and dark places, the name of Jesus, darkness begins to flee in the face of the love of God darkness cannot stand and it's not just true in other places it's true here for us as well and so whenever dark place maybe that's in your life or situation that you're facing no matter what it is that's in front of you that looks impossible or scary or big or sad or hard the name of Jesus the love of God is strong enough to make it all tremble and to fade when we get a look and a glimpse at who he is and at his love for us. Will you stand with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you show up in amazing ways and partner with your people to bring love and hope and change to this world around us, into our neighborhoods around us, and into our 
families right around us. We lean into you. We're grateful for you. In Jesus' name.